Alright, so let me go live. Alright, wonderful. So, Hare Krishna, welcome back all of you. Uh, very nice to see you back again uh, in this Bhagavad Gita study circle. And it's been quite some time that we are discussing uh, Bhagavad Gita and uh, we have covered three chapters. We are right now in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And very systematically this whole study is going on, uh, verse after verse and uh, section after section, chapter wise. We are going forward in the study of Bhagavad Gita and understanding so many beautiful principles that Krishna has shared. So there is so much that we can learn from the Bhagavad Gita because it is a manual for life. There are so many wonderful things that Krishna has shared so that we can be happy, truly happy in this life. So. There are so many secrets that we have uh, already discussed and Krishna is going to reveal even more, a lot of uh, secrets going forward. So Bhagavad Gita is a secret of, uh, uh, it's filled with secrets for happiness and I think this is one book that we can always carry with us all throughout our life and anytime, any moment we are feeling down, we are feeling depressed, I think this is the best book that we can just open and read any page randomly and you'll still get something very wonderful which will touch your heart and which can transform your heart and show you the path of how to lead a very happy life. So this has been very practical and I think uh, even in my own life I have seen that anytime uh, you're going through certain difficulty when there are some challenges, you're unable to focus and uh, unable to get certain answers, I think this is when we can just open up the Bhagavad Gita and read some section randomly and you'll see there are so many things coming up and uh, you'll feel that the direction is coming into you. So in the last uh, so many sessions we have discussed uh, chapter 4 and uh, in the previous session also we discussed about some very nice things about uh, how Krishna is addressing the questions asked by uh, Arjuna. Now Arjuna wanted to understand that how is it possible that Krishna has spoken this beautiful knowledge uh, to Vivaswan, the sun god and then it's coming in parampara and uh, Krishna very nicely is explaining all of that. So in this particular section, we will discuss some very interesting topics today. So we have Uma Kumar also joining us today, very nice Uma Kumar and Achyutanji. So I want to mention before I start that I am again in a new location today. So today I am in a small town in Karnataka called, uh, it is Koppal. So I have come here with some work and also meet some of my relatives. So I am in a new place, I really don't know how uh, well I will be able to uh, complete because with all the bandwidth that we have been given, <laughs> I am trying my best to go ahead with uh, the internet connectivity. So let's hope that we don't have any interruptions in between and I think, uh, yes, Achyutanji is saying that it is very loud and clear and I also welcome all the devotees here on YouTube for joining me today and if there is anything that you want to uh, mention, please make your presence felt. You can say Hare Krishna in the comment section and uh, make your presence felt. So that will be really nice. So as usual, like we do, we start, we begin with uh, the Pranam Mantras, we begin with the invocation prayers. We also have uh, Hina Mataji who has joined us. So let's begin with invocation prayers that will be displayed on the screen. So all of you can kindly fold your palms and we can all chant the invocation prayers together. So that will be really nice. So let's begin. 
our study today uh, as it is Bhagavad Gita and we dedicate this session to His Divine Grace Isi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Chila Prabhupada who is the founder Acharya of ISKCON and my beloved spiritual master. So let's all join together our palms and uh, chant the Pranam Mantras. Today since I am using a new laptop you may find a difficulty in the font. The font is not properly installed. I tried. So kindly bear with me but I know that you are already well aware with the Pranam Mantras. So please repeat after me. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Pashyat Deshatarine Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityanandha Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratvishe Namaha Namo Brahmane Devaya Go Brahmane Hitayacha Jagadhitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha Hey Krishna Karuna Sindho Dina Bandho Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindhavaneshwari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpatarubhyasya Kripa Sindhubhyayevacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Agniyanati Mirandasya Agniyanan Janashalakaya. 
Anjali has joined and also Vinay has joined. Thank you so much for being here today. So they are all very excited youngsters. Uh, I am missing your presence today. Although uh, we could not connect live, but since you are uh, able to join here on YouTube and be a part of it, I am really very happy and glad that you could join today. Very nice. So let's uh, have a quick recap of what we discussed in the previous session we understood about how Krishna has created Chatur Varana Maya system. He said all these four Varanas that is Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, all these are actually created by me. It is Maya system and anything that is created by Krishna is actually natural and anything that is actually created by man it is artificial and that's why we see there is so much of chaos in the society today because we are artificially trying to follow something which is not meant for us but what krishna has given this chatur varana is this varanashama system is a very natural process of forming the society and uh, if we can just follow this then there will be so much of peace and happiness in the society so we discussed there are different uh, uh, things about these four varanas that how a brahmana son doesn't become a brahmana a kshatriya son doesn't become a kshatriya it is by guna and karma one's characteristics one's character is what defines a particular varana it is also not just uh, about character it is also about competence because competence is also required if you have to be defined as a brahmana kshatriya vaishya or shudra what kind of competence do you carry in life that also matters right so all these things we have discussed in the previous session and here Krishna is going to explain further that how uh, we need to act we need to perform all our activities right so we also have Jagannath Bhattiji who has joined us on YouTube thank you so much Jagannathji for being here today I really appreciate your presence wonderful so let's uh, dive in today for the very first uh, shloka and uh, that is shloka number 15 we could not complete that in the previous session but today let's continue the 15th shloka so i call achyutanji i think there is some mic issue we'll try once again achyutanji can you just unmute yourself and try if uh, your voice is audible then we can take you on shloka evam gnatva kritam karma Purvai rapi mumukshubihi Purvai rapi mumukshubihi Guru karmaiva tasmatvam Guru karmaiva tasmatvam Purvai purvataram kritam Purvai purvataram kritam Wonderful, let's do that once again Evam gnatva kritam karma Purvai rapi mumukshubihi Purvai rapi mumukshubihi Guru karmaiva tasmatvam Guru karmaiva 
पूर्वै पूर्वतरम कृतम वंडरफुल सो प्लीज रीड द ट्रांसलेशन बाय योर सेल्फ ऑल द लिबरेटेड सोल्स इन द एशियन टाइम्स एक्टिव विद दिस अंडरस्टैंडिंग एंड सो अटेंड लिबरेशन therefore as the ancients you should perform your duty in this divine मोक्षुभ all such great people from the ancient time have actually performed their duty in such a way that they became free and they have set an example to all others to follow so prabhupada very nicely has said in this uh, purport of this particular shloka he says that there are two types of people so there is one class of people who are so materially absorbed they are fully Uh, their heart is filled with material desires they are always hankering for something new they want new and new things and they are never satisfied these materialistic people no matter how much they get how much they earn how much material sukha they get they are still not satisfied so they are materialistic people and there is there is another class of people who are free from all the kalmashas within the heart they are totally free so such people are pure devotees of the lord and both of them have very different behavior their approach towards work their approach towards krishna their sadhana is completely different right and that is why krishna is saying here arjuna don't think that whatever i am saying is just something random but this knowledge is actually coming in parampara ancient people mumukshubhi all liberated personalities also have actually followed this and they have set example by doing their duty so krishna consciousness is actually a time tested process this spirituality what we are following right now what we are trying to practice right now and trying to understand this bhagavad gita is not something which is sentimental it is not unscientific this is something which has been tested by all the great acharyas in the past so we are so fortunate that we just have to follow the great mumukshubhi we have to follow all these great personalities from the past because they have understood how to perform work and they have given us a very nice example to follow in their footsteps so that is why there is a book bhagavata and there is a person bhagavata when we read the bhagavatam which is of 18 cantos so we get to know so many different past times and we understand how devotees have acted in life but here when we see that live examples of acharyas they are also walking bhagavata so there is a book bhagavata bhagavatam and there is a person bhagavatam so all this mumukshubhi what krishna is mentioning in this chapter in this particular shloka is those elevated people who have become free from all the kalmashas within their heart they are free from all the contamination the material contaminations in their heart such a wonderful thing it is and this is our goal also so every sunday when we are discussing we are actually taking out one by one one by one all the different kalmashas the impurities from our heart 
So this Shravanam, when we do this hearing of the Bhagavad Gita, it makes us pure. By speaking, by hearing, it makes us pure. So that's why Krishna is saying, we just have to follow the great Mumukshubhi, this great Acharyas. So Krishna consciousness, this process of Bhakti, it is not something which is very ancient. We cannot say it is something modern. It is neither modern nor ancient. Actually, Krishna consciousness, Bhakti is eternal. Bhakti is actually eternal. Krishna consciousness is uh, always there, irrespective of whether it is ancient or modern, doesn't matter. It is a time-tested process and the Acharyas, based on the time, place and circumstances, they give us a very simplified form of Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness is Bhakti. Bhakti is what the ultimate goal of Bhagavad Gita. We are trying to understand the process of how to execute and how to express our love for Krishna. Right? So this is the process we are into right now. So by the end of 18th chapter, we should at least have the theoretical knowledge, oh yes, this is right, this is wrong, this is what is pleasing to Krishna, this is what not is pleasing to Krishna. If we can understand this much at least, I think that is a great success for us in this human form of life. So, this is very interesting. But here, Arjuna is posing himself like a neophyte. Neophyte means what? A person who has just joined the process of bhakti or spirituality. So we are all neophyte. Actually, Arjuna is representing all of us. So he, although very elevated personality, a great Kshatriya warrior, but he is putting himself into our condition and he is asking these questions. So he is asking and behaving like a neophyte. So we are also very neophyte. So Krishna is very nicely taking this uh, understanding of Bhagavad Gita from one step to another step. So. Now, let's understand how these people have become free from the bondage. Because they also work, right? See, anytime when you perform action, the general understanding is there is a reaction. And when there is a reaction, then there is a bondage. You become bound by the material reaction. So, how is that these people have become free? So, let's understand this with a very nice analogy, right? What is that analogy? So, sometimes there are people who get sickness or maybe some stomachache when they take uh, drink milk. Uh, now, especially when they take overtake, over drink milk, then there is some sort of uh, problem in the stomach and it causes a lot of uh, discomfort. But, the same people who are suffering because of milk, the intake of milk, when they are given curd, when they are given curd, the stomach ache or whatever the pain is, that discomfort goes away and they are cured of the disease. Now, what is curd by the way? Curd is just a tran transformation of milk. So work, when you do without Krishna consciousness, binds you. It, it creates disease within your life. But the same work, when it is transformed, with bhakti, then it acts like curd and you will be cured of all the bondages that you have. So simply working will bind you, but when you work for the pleasure of Krishna, that unbinds you. 
So this mumukshubihi, liberated personalities, they act in such a way that they actually become freed and not get bound. That's why they are called liberated personality, mumukshubihi. So we also, gradually when we attain that state of mumukshubihi, there are a lot of people, liberated personalities on this planet, they act and they do a lot of things. They manage a lot of big, big things. But they are mumukshubihi. They are on the transcendental platform. They do not act on the material platform. So Krishna is saying, we need to follow such people. And such personalities, such great personalities, they do not sit quiet. They actually perform work. There are a lot of uh, pseudo-spiritualists who in the name of spirituality, they sit in one place and they do nothing. They don't perform any action. But Krishna is saying, no, the greatest personalities, Mumukshubihi, they actually perform work. They actually perform work for the welfare of the people. That is their duty. So, it was quite straightforward in this particular shloka. Let's try to understand what Krishna is going to share in the next shloka, that is 16th shloka, right? So, I uh, request uh, Uma Kumar to unmute yourself and let's chant this next shloka, shloka number 16. So, I hope it is visible to you. Yes, Kim karma kim akarmeti Kim karma kim akarmeti Kavayopi atra mohitaha Kavayopi matra mohitaha Tate karma pravakshami Tate karma pravakshami Yagnatva moksha se Once again, Kim Karma Kim Akarmeti Kim Karma Kim Akarmeti Kavayopi Yatra Mohitaha Kavayopi Yatra Mohitaha Tate Karma Prabhakshami Tate Karma Prabhakshami Yagnatva Moksha Sheshubhat Wonderful. Please read the translation by yourself. Even the intelligent are bewildered in determining what is action and what is inaction. Now I shall explain to you what is action is, knowing which you shall be liberated from all sins. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So, very interesting. Krishna is saying, Kim karma, kim akarmeti. Kim. Kim means what? So, what is karma? And what is akarma? Kavayopiyatra mohitaha. Kavayo. Kavayo means the learned people, the great learned people, even they are mohitaha. Mohitaha means they are bewildered. Even the most learned people, kavayaha, even they are mohitaha, bewildered by knowing, trying to understand what is karma and what is akarma. So this subject matter of karma is not so easy. Although we have covered karma yoga in the previous chapter, chapter 3, but here you see, it is not so easy to understand the difference between what is karma, what is akarma. Not so easy. Tatte karma pravakshami yagnatva moksha sheshubhas. So Krishna is saying that, now I shall explain to you what action is, knowing which you shall be liberated from all sins. 
So is this not what we are also looking for? He said that the mumukshubihi in the previous sloka, that the mumukshubihis are already liberated and they are performing action. So we are performing action for purification. But the liberated personalities, when they perform action, they are performing action for pleasure, for spiritual happiness, that spiritual bliss. So that is the difference. We are working for purification. They are working for happiness and joy and bliss. So Krishna is saying, if you also want to attain that state of liberation, where you will become free from all sins, then I am going to explain to you what action is. And action we are performing every day. Every day in and out we have to perform action. So Krishna is saying, I will tell you how to perform action. Right? So nice. Again, see, Krishna is guiding us very nicely as a very concerned father. You know, he could have just been there in the spiritual world enjoying in the Goloka with all his friends. But no, every time he takes Autara, he comes here, he descends on this planet. Why? Because this is what he wants to do. He wants to explain to all of us what is action. Because if Krishna doesn't come and explain to us, how will we know? We will be simply loitering here, performing so many obnoxious actions and we will be simply repeating our birth and death cycle. But Krishna is concerned. That's why he takes Avatara and here he has come again to tell Arjuna and all of us that what has to be done, how should we perform action, right? So, even Kamayaha, great, great learned people, they become bewildered. Now, if you see in the modern context, all the so-called educated people, modern people, they are quite educated in the sense they have PhDs, they have double degrees and there is so much that they can achieve. All those things are there. But what is their underlying motivation? The motivation for work is sense enjoyment. Most people, they want to earn a lot of money, they want to get married, they have, want to have children. When they have children, then they want to have a farmhouse so that they can at least uh, twice in a year go and enjoy there peacefully with the family. The whole principle is enjoyment, enjoyment and enjoyment. They want more and more enjoyment and that material enjoyment is what they are looking for. But now what happens is, the same thing is being actually absorbed by the children also. The family members, they are seeing their parents materially enjoying. They see that the success is actually measured by how much money you have, how much cars you have, how much big bungalow you have. So the same thing through osmosis is learned by the children and the measure of success for the children is also how much more material things I can accumulate in my life. So now these people, the parents, they have told the children that any anything that comes in between your happiness your sukha and you, you should just ignore, you should neglect that, you should avoid such things. And the same children when they grow up and they want to now follow the same process what the parents have done, they go for partying, they go for enjoying here and there, then they see the parents actually as an obstacle in their enjoyment. And what the parents have told, any obstacle in your enjoyment should be thrown away. So these children who know that, okay, now these are the people, they have become old, my parents, they cannot come to party and dance with me, so I will avoid. So this husband and wife, they will go and they will enjoy and they will neglect. So what I am telling here is, most people, especially 
parents you have to be very careful what type of sanskara are we giving to our children if we don't know what is action what is inaction what is karma and what is akarma then it is a big problem for us we are going to get reap the same thing what we have sowed so this is not what we expect right especially when it comes from our own people it's very hurting so we should know as responsible human beings we should know what is action and it is not so easy is what krishna is saying it's not so easy why for example now you see we have yudhishthira now yudhishthira was such a great personality he is not an ordinary personality but when there was this uh, great war of mahabharata after the mahabharata the kurukshetra war was ended now yudhishthira was so bewildered he was feeling so sorrowful that because of him having the desire to enjoy the kingdom so many millions of people have died right so it was a heartbreaking thing for yudhishthira for it was not so easy for yudhishthira to actually take that pain so many people all bloodshed everywhere in kurukshetra it is said that when kurukshetra war was done you know there were there was a river of blood so much of blood was flowing in kurukshetra in fact they say that even now when you go and dig a little bit in kurukshetra the soil is quite red there so so much of bloodshed and yudhishthira as a devotee he could not take it and he said that no i don't want any of this kingdom i just want to go away from this place i want to renounce everything go to the forest now bhima he was like no how can you do this you have fought this whole war because you wanted to become king even when we were in the forest in the agnatvasa when we were in exile we all have contemplated on actually uh, fighting this war so you as a elder brother you consented for this war now only after your consent we have fought such a great battle we have won and now you want to renounce and be in the forest no this is not kshatriya dharma though there is very nice conversation between bhima and yudhishthira and you know a lot of you no know, he says no i cannot go you know i just better go and be in the forest and Uh, there are counter arguments from the brothers also they say that even wild animals they have renounced and they are they are in the forest does it mean that they are more renounced than us they are also staying in the forest no that is not what you are supposed to do you are a kshatriya so yudhishthira was not ready to accept it because he was confused what to do what not to do can you imagine and then bhima taunts bhima he says oh my dear brother you are actually a great warrior you are a great uh, kshatriya and you have fought and won this great battle but unfortunately you have been defeated by your own uncontrolled mind now when you listen heard that oh it is because of my uncontrolled mind he immediately becomes you know all alerted and he says that yes i may have an uncontrolled mind but i am actually not going towards attachment i am going towards detachment i want to get detached from all this kingdom and everything so you see how he was also counter arguing he said no attachment means i am actually having an uncontrolled mind but i am not attached i am getting detached that means i don't have an uncontrolled mind 
So this back and forth conversation is going on. But you should know that how Yudhishthira, he was Dharma Raja. Yudhishthira is actually Dharma Raja. When there was Yaksha Prashna in the exile, when they were actually going, and Yaksha came and asked so many questions to all the Pandavas, they all got uh, angry or sometimes they got defeated and they all were uh, in the unconscious state. They went into hibernation <laughs> by the mercy of Yaksha. But Yudhishthira, when he comes, and he was asked the question, Yaksha, so beautifully, it was all answered by Yudhishthira. So he was knowing what is dharma and what is adharma. You see, the clarity was there. But still, in spite of so much of clarity, after the Mahabharata, the Kurukshetra Yuddha, there was confusion. There was so much of difficulty that he was facing, you see. So this is what happens to most of us. If Dharma Raja can face so much of tribulations, he cannot understand. What is dharma and adharmaya? Adharma, kavayo ho. Even they are confused. So what to speak of us? Right? So there is so much of uh, back and forth that happens between uh, the Pandavas. And then finally, Krishna takes all these people, especially Yudhishthira, to Bhishma. Now Bhishma was lying on the bed of arrows. And that's when Bhishma instructs very beautifully, nicely, to Yudhishthira, what is dharma, what is adharma? And then finally he says, you see Yudhishthira, actually I had this uh, situation where I had to fight against the Lord. That was my service. You know, nobody likes to fight against the Lord. You know that he is the Supreme Lord, Krishna. But Bhishma had taken the role of fighting against the Lord. So, it is not a very pleasant thing to fight against the Lord. But Bhishma took it up. So he is instructing Yudhishthira that this war, whatever people have died, they have not died, actually has happened because of the will of the Supreme Lord Krishna. So you just have to understand that you are a part in the will of the Lord. You just have played your role. And now you become a part of the bigger plan of Krishna and you become the king and rule as a Kshatriya so that there is dharma installed back into the society in this world. So then that is when after getting these instructions from Bhishma, that's when Yudhishthira then goes on to become the king and perform other Ashwamedha, Ignas and all those things. So the point here is that how many people become confused. This knowledge is confidential knowledge. That's why this confidential knowledge has to be understood in Parampara. This knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita or scriptures, many people may read, many people may uh, hear from so many people, but ultimately the real, real essence of the Bhagavad Gita and the scriptures can be understood only in Parampara. That is why Krishna is saying, Mumukshubihi. The great personalities in the past, like Vibhaswan, the sun god, Manu and all these great people have understood this in essence because it was coming down in Parampara. So that's why we are so fortunate that there are so many possibilities and forums where the Bhagavad Gita discussions are happening but we are receiving the knowledge in Parampara and this is our fortune. We are able to receive Bhagavad Gita as it is and there is so much of scope that you can ask questions, you can you know, you can feel free to discuss so many points here. So all this discussion will help us to understand Bhagavad Gita even better. So this is a confidential knowledge 
which Krishna will explain even in the ninth chapter that Rajavidya Rajaguyam. This knowledge is not so easy to understand. It is an open secret, but it has to be understood in parampara. So that is why when we hear the commentaries from great Acharyas like Madhvacharya, Ramanujacharya, then we have Srila Prabhupada's commentaries, it becomes so easy. In fact, Prabhupada has made it so simple. It was the first time that Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita were written with so much of authenticity. You know, Prabhupada has given, you see the Bhagavad Gita as it is, there is the shloka in the Sanskrit and then there is the transliteration of that shloka, then there is word to word meaning, then there is translation, then there is purport for those particular shlokas. So there is so much of elaboration, so much of uh, details are given for a particular shloka, so much of pain and hard uh, the shrama was put by Prabhupada to write this Bhagavad Gita. So we should take full advantage of these commentaries because these books, these words of Bhagavad Gita as it is are non-different from the words directly spoken by Prabhupada. So that's why it becomes so wonderful that when you read Bhagavad Gita, you are actually contacting the spiritual master. You are contacting Srila Prabhupada, you are actually coming in contact with Krishna when you read Bhagavad Gita. That's why I actually urge all of you, anyone who is listening to this on YouTube and as well as on StreamYard, that make a point that at least spend 15 minutes reading Bhagavad Gita and understand this manual of life. It is so nice. We are all simply beating around the bush here, there to become happy. Why not give one chance to Bhagavad Gita to make some transformation in your life? It is responsibility lies on us. We need to make this transformation. We need to take that first step. The moment we take the first step, then Krishna will take 10 steps towards us because he is even more eager to take us home back to God, to give us liberation. Right? So, this is what Krishna has spoken here in this particular sloka and let's see in the 17th sloka what is he going to share. Very very interesting. So, Hina uh, Mataji, okay, let me add her to the screen and let's chant the next sloka that is verse number 17. So, yes, is this visible to you Mataji? Yes. Karmano hi api bodhavyam. Karmano hi api bodhavyam. Bodhavyam chavi karmana. Bodhavyam achi karmana. Akarmanas cha bodhavyam. Akarmanas cha bodhavyam. Gahana karmano gatihi. Once again, Karmano hi api bodhavyam. Karmano hi api bodhavyam. Bodhavyam chavi karmana. Bodhavyam achi karmapi karmana. Akarmanas cha bodhavyam. Akarmanas cha bodhavyam. Gahana karmano gatihi. Wonderful. Please read the translation. The intricacies of action are very hard to understand. Therefore, one should know properly what action is, what forbidden action is and what inaction is. Wonderful. Thank you. 
So, <coughs> a very very interesting shloka. Karmano hi api bodhavyam. Karmana means action. Bodhavyam means to understand. Bodhavyam. To know what it is. Is called bodhavyam. So, what should we understand? So, Krishna is saying here, there is karma, there is vikarma, and there is akarma. Very, very interesting. So, you should know that there is karma, and with respect to karma, bodhavyam, you should know what is vikarma and what is akarma. And when you take vikarma into consideration, then you should know what is karma and what is akarma. And then, when you take akarma into consideration, from that perspective, you should understand what is karma and what is vikarma. So, what are these three things now? So, this is what is very important for a spiritualist. So, Prabhupada in the purport is explaining that one, anybody who is serious, to get liberated from this material world should, must and should know the distinction between what is karma, what is vikarma and what is akarma. So, our scriptures say that karma means action. What action? All that which is prescribed by the scriptures, the Vedas, is called karma or punya karma, pious activity. What is vikarma? Anything that which is against the law of God, anything that is against the scriptures, that is called vikarma, papa karma. So, whether you do papa or punya, there is reaction to it. There is good or bad reaction to it. And when there is a reaction, there is bondage. You have to enjoy or suffer that particular reaction. But now Krishna is saying another very interesting thing and that is akarmaha. Now akarma means those actions which are performed with bhakti and any action that you perform with bhakti doesn't have any reaction. So this is what we are interested in. We have to align our actions in such a way that they become a karma. They simply should not become karma or vikarma. It should transcend. So, when we know our relationship with Krishna, when we understand our relationship with Krishna, I am a part and parcel of that Supreme Lord and He is my Lord, He is my Master. I have a relationship with Him and with that relationship, when we start dealing with Krishna, that is when we will understand the actions that we perform in the three modes. So, any action that you perform in this material world are actually performed under the jurisdiction of three modes, Sattva Guna, Rajoguna and Tamoguna. So, whether it is eating, whether it is charity, whether it is sleeping, Krishna is going to elaborate all these different actions. All these things will fall under these three gunas, our actions. But Krishna is saying that anybody who is serious, one should know the distinction between them and you will be able to then align your actions as a karma, where you will not be acting under the influence of the three modes. 
Akarma is action which is beyond the influence of the three modes. Bhakti is not a product of this material world. Love for Krishna is not the product of this material world. This action that you perform, Bhakti, is actually on the spiritual platform. We may be neophytes. We may not understand all the seriousness and the intricacies of Akarma, the process of Bhakti right now at this stage. But the process will work. It is actually any bhakti, any devotional act that you do, it is on the spiritual platform. It is a karma. So the more we know about this, the more we want to engage in it and more we become purified, the more we become liberated. Our relationship becomes stronger. First thing is to know that I have a relationship and then when you know a relationship, then why do you want to perform action which is influenced by the three modes? We will not be interested. In fact, we want to do action which is akarma, which is pleasing to Krishna. That is what Bhishma also told Yudhishthira. You do as per the will of the Supreme Lord. That ruling of the kingdom will become akarma if you are acting as per the laws given by Krishna. That is akarma. So we should follow the mumukshubihi. We are not against action. We are against wrong actions, but we want to perform a karma, action that pleases Krishna. Right? So, very, very interesting. This is all very nice, actually. These are all uh, things that we should know so that we become uh, very quick in our progress in spiritual life. Perform a karma. So, let's understand even a little bit more because Krishna is going to say something further about these particular things. So, we have understood what is karma, vikarma and akarma. Let's little bit understand even more from the next verse. So, Dev, you can unmute yourself and let's chant the next verse, that is verse number 18. Yeah. Yes, sir. Karmanya karma ya paschet. Akarmani cha karma yaha Akarmani cha karma yaha Sabuddhiman manusheshu Sabuddhiman manusheshu Sayukta kritsna karma krit Sayukta kritsna karma krit Once again Karmani akarma yapashe Akarmani cha karma yaha Akarmani cha karma yaha Sabuddhiman manusheshu Sabuddhiman manusheshu Sayukta krishna karma krit Sayukta krishna karma krit Wonderful. Read the translation. One who sees in action in action and action in inaction is intelligent among men and he is in the transcendental position also engaged in all sorts of activities. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Very nice. So this is <clears throat> uh, tongue twister is also brain twister. This sloka is something very, very exciting for intellectuals because Krishna is saying here, you see, one who sees inaction in action and action
action in inaction is intelligent among men. So if you want to be intelligent, then you should know what is inaction in action and action in inaction. Very confusing, right? And then he's saying, only that person is in the transcendental position. I just now told you that we have to perform a karma and we have to reach that transcendental position. But for that, you should know or you should know the art of seeing inaction in action and action in inaction. So let's understand this. So when we say this word karma, karma, this word has four meanings. Maybe I can display that to you. So you see, karma, one meaning is action means, oh yes, I'm doing my karma. People say that I'm doing my duty. Oh yes, I performed my karma today. You know, I did my work today. That is action. Sometimes people say, use this word karma, in the sense it is as a reaction. Oh, you know, I'm getting this problem. It is my karma. You know, I was actually going on the street and somebody just came and banged me. Bad karma. You know, it is my bad karma. So what are we talking about? We are talking it as a reaction. Now, when again another sense karma is used, this word, as a system of action and reaction. Oh yes, you know, there are karmic laws. You know, you perform this action, there is a reaction, there is a law that is acting. So, law of uh, equal and opposite reaction, so that is karma. A system of action and reaction, as a law. And there is another type, another sense where the karma is used. A type of action, like the previous shloka, it mentioned about karma, it mentioned about vikarma, then it also mentioned about akarma. It's a type of action. Papa, punya, then there is bhakti. So, right? So, these are the different ways in which the word karma can be used. Now, Krishna is saying, akarma also. What is akarma? Akarma has two meanings. Akarma, karma means action. Akarma means inaction, means lazy. You don't want to perform anything, I'll not work anything, I'll not do my duty. Inaction. That is one meaning of akarma. But another very important meaning of akarma is action without reaction. Just imagine, Newton's third law says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Now Newton doesn't know this particular law of akarma. There is something where you perform action and there is no reaction to it. Now, what do you say about this? Can there be a possibility where you perform some action and there is no reaction? My question to all of you, my dear audience, let me see who gives an answer. Can there be any action which does not have any reaction? Because I am performing action and any action that you perform, there should be reaction, right? So, what do we mean by this akarma? How can there be a possibility that we perform an action and there is no reaction? So, let's have some brainstorming now. So, what do you say? You can use the chat section or you can just unmute yourself and speak also on stream. Yeah. So, let me add Achyutanji also. Okay. So, what do you say? What is... Is there a possibility that, that you perform some action and there is no reaction to it? I know there will be some lag, especially on YouTube. You may get this question a little late, but I want an answer. I am looking for an answer. Is it possible that 
there is some action which you can think of which has no reaction what does krishna mean akarma what does it mean akarma ah now i know i you were not expecting this that there will be some quiz today but it's simple let's see what do you think about it so okay there is some answer here from hina mata ji so shares that okay so she says an action done through pure bhakti or that which we do for the lord krishna may not have reaction is it true that it does not have reaction there are so many people you know they go and do bhakti and they ask lord my lord please give me this give me that when they go to balaji tirupati so many desires bhakti is there and they want to please the lord they put so much of money all the jewelry everything in the hundi and they come back and many times there is a reaction to it <laughs> lord also blesses them with more money and wealth you see so there is reaction especially lord balaji you know he blesses and why people go so many people go there to tirupati balaji because they want to put into hundi and they want to have a transaction and get more and more from the hundi <laughs> from lord's treasury and lord blesses them so there is a reaction what do you say about that how can there be an action without reaction so my dear listeners on youtube also you can think about it how can there be an action which does not have any reaction because this is a very important shloka we should know now karma has four meanings i have already explained and akarma has two meanings so one is inaction that is no work you be lazy and another is an action which has no reaction they is saying that any action done without expecting the reaction now the law of action is such that whether you expect or you don't expect the reaction is there whether uh, when you give charity whether you expect something good in return doesn't matter it will come to you the reaction will come to you so you have to enjoy your suffer or expecting the result that's what i'm saying the laws of nature are such that although you may be doing seva with that nis nisvarth bhav without any expectation but since you have performed an action it should have a reaction that's the law of karma that's the third meaning of the word karma the third meaning of karma is this there is a system which is taking care of all this action reaction it's so complex right so there is something on youtube also let's see what devotees have told there so uma kumar is saying that if we perform actions on non living things <laughs> actually whether it is living or non living you are performing action you see so when you perform an action there should be reaction to it right so whether you work on living or non living whether you are a carpenter beating a nail into the wood or you are performing something which is on the people doesn't matter because you are performing action is that what matters most so when you perform an action there should be a reaction because the law there is a law which is working and it is constantly being monitored all of us we are being monitored real time by mother nature 
the three modes are watching us there are so many devi devtas which are watching us we are being monitored 24 by 7 real time information is going so our actions and reactions are actually monitored so how can there be an action which has no reaction what does it mean that there is an action which no without reaction what does it mean so hina madad is saying actions only for krishna's pleasure but that is another level of bhakti okay so that you perform everything that is for the pleasure of krishna and then there is no reaction so madad do you think that when you perform bhakti there is no reaction krishna reciprocates that reciprocation is also reaction why krishna reciprocates because we are doing bhakti but i want to see you are very close i know you understand this point but i i just want to get the right point the right thing you are all very close let's see if anybody on the youtube is commenting so let's see ah so is there anything that you can think of my dear listeners that there is an action without a reaction ki aap karm karo but us karm ka koi reaction hi nahi hai aisa koi hai aisa kuch cheez hai jahan pe akarm bolte hai usko akarm matlab aap kuch karm karo aur uska reaction nahi hai action beyond the three gunas okay that you perform a transcendental activity when you perform transcendental activity that means this bhakti so bhakti is not going to give you any reaction is it so dry you know aap bhakti kar rahe ho kar rahe ho main jap kar raha hu main seva kar raha hu bhog laga raha hu bhagwan ko itna sab bhakti kar raha hu and that bhagwan is so hard hearted he is not giving any reaction only he is not giving any results in my life is it like that so dev is saying that it is going to give us a reaction in the spiritual way and this is exactly what i was looking for so when krishna is saying that akarma means action without reaction means there is no material reaction when you perform akarma when you perform bhakti it means that there is no material reaction but there is a spiritual reaction so you get good uh, marks here dev you got the right answer and when we meet you will get some special prasadam from me you gave a wonderful answer actually there is reaction even in bhakti when we perform akarma there is a reaction from the spiritual master there is a reaction from the supreme lord krishna but it is not a material reaction and that is why it is akarma akarma means that action which will not give you material reaction but will give you spiritual reaction that is akarma so let us understand this akarma vikarma and karma a little bit so with this definition of uh, having the four meanings of uh, karma and uh, two meanings of akarma let's understand a little bit see just imagine there is a grihastha there is a family with husband wife and children now the husband is actually doing lot of karma 
what krishna is saying in this verse try to see in action in action you see akarma in karma so there is a family a grahastha who is performing a lot of work karma going to the office is going and bringing something from the grocery shop and taking care of the children dropping and picking up them from the children from the school and all these things the householder is doing he is performing a lot of karma but when this person is doing all of his actions without expecting any material result but for the pleasure of krishna then this action of the very same action of going and dropping the children to the school going to the office and working and going to the grocery shop all these different activities are not karma it is called akarma and when anybody is able to see that that bhakti of that person then you are actually seeing inaction you are seeing akarma in karma you are seeing inaction in the karma that is performing so what is happening is you know very clearly that this person although is managing everything nicely in this material world but actually he is detached he is performing everything for the pleasure of krishna he is actually performing a lot of things but it is inaction it is akarma without any material reaction ha now the opposite of that is seeing karma in akarma so seeing first one was seeing akarma in karma the second is seeing karma in akarma now there are a lot of people who do a lot of show off of bhakti social bhakti you know they are transcendentalists they do some yoga and meditation they close their eyes and lot of morning tapasya so many things they do but deep within although they are meditating with closed eyes they are constantly thinking of material pleasures of wine women and money constantly they are thinking of those things so such a person who is actually performing a karma externally a so called godman but internally he is performing karma he is actually getting bound by the desires and the motivations and the intentions that he has you see so when a person with this kind of motivation is performing a karma and if you are able to see this then you are an intelligent person and when you become intelligent like this to differentiate between what is a karma and what is karma when you know this distinction clearly you are an intelligent person you will be actually opening the door to liberation to become a mukshubihi and you all want to become a mukshubihi so this is the secret that krishna is explaining so beautifully isn't it very nice so um, it's actually a brain twister for intellectuals many people don't understand this but if we can understand this distinction amazing it will be so nice so many times people see vaishnavas also oh what to kya hai you know they are also having family they are also doing so many things they also go to the uh, grocery shop they go to the market no they may be doing all these activities but within they are totally detached they are totally detached so this intelligence we need to know this we need to have it comes by experience it comes by maturity it comes by knowledge 
to see the distinction between karma and akarma. Okay, so with this, let's go to the next sloka. I think we can cover one more sloka, very very interesting sloka. That is sloka number 19, and let's see. We have Kumar uh, Kumar and uh, Dev. I'll give a chance to Achutanji once again. He missed it last time. So Achutanji, you can unmute yourself and let's chant the 19th shloka. I hope uh, the screen is visible to you. After this shloka, we can open up for Q&A. So Achutanji, You can unmute yourself and try to speak. I hope uh, he's able to listen to me. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, wonderful. All right. So, 19th shloka. Yasya sarve samarambha. Yasya sarve samarambha. Kama sankalpa varjitaha. Jnanagmi Dagda Karmanam Jnanagmi Dagda Karmanam Tammahu Panditam Buddha Tammahu Panditam Buddha Once again, Yasya Sarve Samarambaha Yasya Sarve Samarambaha Kama Sankalpa Parjitaha Jnanagni Dagda Karmanam Jnanagni Dagda Karmanam Tammahu Pandita Buddha Tammahu Pandita Buddha Wonderful. Please read the translation. What is understood to be full knowledge knows every act devoid of desire for a sense gratification. He said, by says to be a worker, so good action is burned up by the fire of perfect knowledge. Thank you so much. So, such a person who can understand that Esya Sarve Samarambaha Kama Sankalpa Parjitaha she has given all the desire for sense gratification. There is no expectation of any sense gratification. Everything that he does is only for the pleasure of the senses of Krishna. Not for his sense gratification, but for Krishna's sense gratification. So such a person is called by the sages to be a worker whose fruitive action is burned up by the fire of perfect knowledge. Which is called here Jnanagni Dagda Karmanam Jnanagni, the fire of knowledge will burn all his impurities. He is performing a lot of actions. He is performing a lot of actions. But all the reactions, the material reactions performed, which are actually an outcome of that particular uh, karma, will be burned by Jnanagni Dagda Karmanam. It will be burned by the fire of knowledge. So Krishna is saying, come ahu panditam buddhaha. Such a person is panditaha, buddhaha. So what is the difference between a pandita and buddhaha? 
Buddha means a person who is wise. Wise means he knows what is right, what is wrong. He knows how to perform akarmaha. Panditaha means a learned person. There is a learned person. So, a learned person sometimes may know a lot of things, but he cannot perform akarma. Things that are for the pleasure of Krishna, he cannot perform that. So, there are a lot of people who are panditas, great, great panditas, but they cannot perform a karma. So, that's why there are so many scholars and philosophers we come across. So, very, very strong intellectually. But does that mean their actions are also becoming burnt? Jnanabhi Daddaha? No. There are so many scholars and intellectual people, panditas, their actions are not burnt by Jnanabhi. Jnanabhi, what is Jnana? They have Jnana, right? Now, there are many scholars, they also have Jnana. That means they can also speak Vedas and they can also perform a lot of recitations and this and that. They have Jnana of the Vedas. Does that mean they will be able to burn all the reactions of their karma? No. Just by having Jnana will not burn your reactions of your activities. Only when with Jnana you perform actions for the pleasure of Krishna. Only when that is there, that motivation to please Krishna is there. That is when this Jnana me will act. It will burn all the reactions. Simply having Jnana will not. So to ensure that the Jnana is effective enough to burn all the reactions, our action should be for the pleasure of Krishna. This is the difference between a Jnani and a Bhakti Yogi. There is a Jnani, Jnana Yogi and there is a Bhakti Yogi. This is the difference. The Jnana will act only on the Bhaktas, not on the Jnanis and the Karmakandis. So we should become devotees of Lord Krishna. Without becoming devotees of Lord Krishna, there is no point in understanding Bhagavad Gita. All this is only to please Him. It may sound a little, uh, you know, uh, what to say, um, they had this uh, Hitler kind of a rule, right? Where, oh, I am the Supreme. That supremacy of Krishna is there. Yes, I am the Supreme Lord. Krishna is always trying to be the Supreme Lord. Actually, he is not trying to be the Supreme Lord. He is the Supreme Lord. So, we may become sometimes envious of this. Actually, we became envious of this particular thing. That's why we are in this material world. That supremacy of Krishna is not what we accepted. If we accept that supremacy of Krishna, and we know our constitutional position, we are supposed to give pleasure to Krishna only. If we understand this secret, then we will become very happy. But because we were envious of this supremacy, we are here. So, Buddha, Buddha, wise people, we have to become Buddha. We should not simply become Pandita. We should not become Pandits in Bhagavad Gita. We should become Buddha, understand the essence of Bhagavad Gita and act in that uh, form, performing a karma. That is when we will become Buddha and not Pandita. So, this is what uh, little bit I wanted to share today. So, we have covered these four, five shlokas today.
15th, 16th, 17th, 18th and 19th and uh, we will continue from 20th sloka in the next next session but I can open up uh, for Q&A and we have some good time today so if you have Q&A any questions my dear listeners on YouTube as well as on StreamYard you can feel free to ask questions and maybe we can take one or two questions or even more if time permits so we can have some interaction and let's have some Q&A now so anything related to this particular session or if you have any questions related to the previous sessions you can feel free to ask questions so you can think a little bit because it's important that we have discussion it's not that all the time I keep speaking and you listen it's important that you ask questions also so that way it will be nice very interactive right so I give some time to all of you so think about some questions that you want to ask and let's have some interaction I have added everyone on the screen so if you can if you want to unmute yourself and ask questions that would be nice so probably you have asked in the chat box okay so so Dave is asking what is the difference between Krishna and Vishnu or are they the same okay good question this is uh, another very basic question people ask because uh, especially when they come to ISKCON they see that Krishna is being worshipped uh, and not the other forms of Vishnu so let's understand this a little bit so <clears throat> Prabhupada says and the scriptures also says that there is no difference between Krishna and the Vishnu forms. Krishna and Vishnu are absolute truths. They are the supreme personality of Godhead. But we should know there is also difference. They are actually the supreme personality of Godhead, but there is a difference. Difference in the functionality of the different forms. Every form of the Lord, of Lord Vishnu, has a certain specific role. So, we should know that Vishnu and, the, and Krishna are actually the supreme personality of Godhead. There is no difference. A person who differentiates between Vishnu and Krishna, then he has not understood philosophy properly. So such people should not be heard from. We should not hear from such people. Actually they are supreme personality of God. Both of them. But there is a little distinction. What is that distinction? Krishna is the original personality. Supreme personality of God. So Vishnu and all the different Vishnu forms and the incarnations, avatars of Vishnu are all the supreme personality of Godhead but Krishna is the original source of all the Vishnu forms like I had given this example earlier Prabhupada gives this example of how when you take a candle there is one candle and there are many candles there is one candle which is lit which is the first one the original one when you take that candle and you light the other candles the other candles will also equally give light and heat they also glow very nicely but the original candle is still the original one which actually lit all of them now in terms of their strength in terms of their ability to give light is the same 
but the original still remains the original. So Krishna is the one original personality, the supreme personality of Godhead. Now Vishnu and all the different avatars are actually different manifestations of Krishna. So the Vishnu form actually originate from the original form, the two-handed Shamasundara form of Krishna. So that is the difference. Now, the devotees of Krishna and especially the Gaudiya Sampradaya, they are more attracted towards Krishna because the two-handed form is the most beautiful. Even uh, the four-handed form cannot be matched, although it's a supreme personality of Godhead, but there are certain devotees like the gopis, they appreciate the two-handed form more than the Vishnu form. So in the Ras Leela, when Krishna appeared as a four-handed Vishnu form as Narayana in front of the gopis, they said Namaste Narayanji, Vishnuji and they just left. They were so absorbed in thinking of Krishna, they just wanted Krishna, not even Narayana, although there is no difference. So the two-handed form is very special for devotees. Now, when it comes to Vishnu, then there is different Vishnu forms. There is Mahavishnu, there is Garbhodakshaya Vishnu, there is Shirodakshaya Vishnu. Now each of them have their different roles and responsibilities in the material world. Mahavishnu, when he breathes out, all the different bubbles, the universes are coming out of his body. Then in each bubble, the same Mahavishnu expands. He enters as Garbhodakshaya Vishnu. And from Garbhodakshaya Vishnu, then there is this navel from his navel, the lotus flower comes, Brahma is sitting on that. Then he populates this whole bubble this universe and then in each of the planets and every atom then there is Shiro Dakshai Vishnu who expands and to every atom of this material universe so everybody has their role in this possibility like Narsimha when he comes he comes to protect Prahlad Maharaj when there is uh, the Matsya Avatara he again comes to take care of his devotees and the creation from the to protect the creation from the devastation of the Pralaya that happens so every incarnation has the roles and responsibilities, they are all the supreme personality of Godhead. When the Lord comes, Vishnu comes in the form of bull, in the form of a pig, he is still the supreme personality of Godhead, but has a specific role. But Krishna is the origin. Ite Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is Bhagavan Swayam. So, every other Vishnu form originates from Krishna. This is the understanding of the Acharya. So this is the difference between uh, and the commonality between Krishna and Vishnu. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, any other questions? So please feel free to ask. Yes, Uma Kumar. Regarding about meditation, what is the best time to do meditation? And if I see meditation sometimes, Okay. See, uh, our meditation is very simple. Yes. So our meditation is we are all doing japa yagna, sound meditation, mantra meditation is what we are actually doing. So what can we do now is actually is morning time, the Brahma Murata time is the best time to do meditation, mantra meditation. That's the time when we are supposed to do Japa Yagna. But there are no hard and fast rules. If you can do it in the morning, Brahma Murata time, amazing. But you should not miss it. The thing is, 
you keep that consistency going on if you have decided that yes i am going to chant hari krishna mantra every day one round then do it every day have that commitment that yes i am going to do it every single day without fail so that commitment should be there because any relationship requires commitment if there is no commitment in relationship then that relationship cannot grow so if you want to develop a relationship then there should be commitment everybody looks for this in relationships right so very very important so please uh, have this commitment of chanting every day and i'm sure you will progress very quickly yes so hina mata ji is asking prabhu ji when we worship lord krishna what happens when we also worship other gods avtaras no problem you see what happens is when we worship lord krishna the devatas they are vaishnavas they completely understand that in you know you are worshiping krishna and in fact they are very happy that you are worshiping krishna because they themselves are also engaged in the service of krishna so they actually become happy and they remove all the obstacles in the path of devotion the devatas are very pleased when you are actually serving their masters it's very pleasing actually it's very nice for them they don't get embarrassed but as devotees when we are giving due respect to the devatas krishna becomes happy because krishna has given has empowered all these devi devatas to perform so many responsibilities to take care of so many things in this material world and their greatest devotees all the devi devatas are suras they are the greatest devotees of krishna right so krishna is pleased when we actually nicely give due respect to all the devi devatas we don't disrespect them and give whatever credit has to be given to them because they are vaishnavas we have to give them krishna is very pleased by that at the same time when you worship krishna the devi devatas are very happy they feel so nice about it that oh here is a vaishnava we are vaishnavas so we have to help and uh, ensure that this vaishnava progresses in uh, bhakti towards krishna they all of us they protect us and they help us in our devotion so we have to give due credit only what uh, generally people do is they think that devi devatas are the supreme personality of god so that is incorrect and in fact we embarrass the devi devatas also because when you call a prime minister or chief minister a prime minister then you know it's embarrassing so they don't feel uh, like taking that honor which has to be given to the supreme lord but people don't understand that so it's very embarrassing for the devi devatas when we call them supreme personality of god because they know they are not so we should not embarrass the devi devatas like that but we should definitely do everything possible to please them to uh, sometimes worship them if required many people say you know they have to do this puja that puja if you don't have that complete faith and surrender to krishna then people can do devi devata puja but although bhagavad gita never recommends that krishna says that anybody worship devi devatas they are alpamedasa that means we still have not developed that firm conviction on krishna we are still dependent on so many other things so we need to have that complete faith and trust in krishna that he will protect avashya rakshibo krishna avashya rakshibe krishna krishna will protect he will definitely be there for me that protection should be there that understanding should be there 
right? So, and Vishnu forms no problem. If you have, you are worshipping Krishna, in the same altar you have Narayana, you are worshipping some other form of uh, like Narsimha, Matsya, Purusharama, no problem. Absolutely, because you are still worshipping the Supreme Personality of God. If you have a Narsimha photo, if you have a Matsya Avatara's photo, if you have a Vadahadev's photo, no problem. Lord Rama's photo, no problem. All are Supreme Personality of God. So you can still worship them. Right? So, Devi is saying thank you. Mahakumar is also saying thank you. Pina Mataji, thank you so much. Okay. So, I think with this we can uh, end our session today. So, hope uh, these things are uh, very clear to you today. What is karma? What is vikarma? What is a karma? And the four meanings of karma, the two meanings of a karma, all this should be there so that when you perform actions, you should immediately distinguish what is karma, what is a karma. You should be able to distinguish. So, that will be really very nice. So, with this, uh, uh, we will end the session today. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining on YouTube as well as on StreamYard. So, we'll see you again next Sunday at the same time and uh, with new mo new some more new shlokas from chapter 4. So, all of you, please uh, stay safe and take care of yourself. Uh, we'll see you again next Sunday. Until then, take care. Hare Krishna.